to the book of the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy for a few moments this morning. Deuteronomy chapter 22. And I want to kind of set this verse up in these verses because they're some of the most unusual verses and they can be easily misunderstood. You're talking about um, the world 2,000 years ago plus. Very much different from now. Women were in no way appreciated, valued, and had freedom like women have now, and a voice, a voice. And the scripture that I'm going to read is a little bit uncomfortable, to be honest, because I don't want anybody to misunderstand what I'm going to preach today, because we know that if someone is a woman is ever abused by a man. It is evil, wrong, and, it, and, and she is the victim always. There's no woman that does anything that gives a right to a man to ever hurt or abuse them. Can I get a big amen on that? But now this text is going to show you and give you an insight into what the world was like before Christ and before uh, the freedoms that women now enjoy. But there is a vital lesson that I want to share that is so relevant to all of us that I believe you'll understand when you leave this place. Look with me in Deuteronomy 22. There are laws of sexual morality and there were things that God's Word began to forbid and it's dealing with one of those things in verse 23. If a young woman who is a virgin is betrothed, that word betrothed means engaged. If she is engaged to a husband, they're not married yet, but they're going to get married. And a man finds her in the city and lies with her. Some translation says forces himself upon her. Then you shall bring them both out to the gate of the city and you shall stone them to death with stones. Listen. The young woman, because she did not cry out in the city. Which, which implies that if she would have just spoke up, it could have been stopped. Now, again, remember what I just told you. But there's a real lesson in this spiritually. You've got to see this through the spiritual eyes to understand the insight that I want you to get. And the young woman, because she did not cry out in the city, and the man, because he humbled his neighbor's wife, so you shall put away this evil from among you. Verse 25. But if a man finds a betrothed, engaged young woman in the field, and the man forces her to lie with him, he's forcing her, then only the man who lies with her shall die. But you shall do nothing to the young woman, there is in the young woman no sin deserving of death, for just as when a man rises against his neighbor and kills him, even so is this matter. Listen. And he found her in the field, and the engaged young woman cried out, but there was no one to save her. I want to talk to you about the power of raising your voice in the city. The power of raising your voice. Silence can be a sin in the times in which we live. And in this text, it deals with two young women. 
One of them lived in the country and one of them lived in the city. They both were engaged to a young man. They both were preparing for their wedding day. But then the woman in the city, we don't know if she took a back alley or wherever it was, but somewhere in the city, she was assaulted by a man. A man overtook her. A man abused her. A man forced himself on her. And she, according to the text, her, her silence was worthy. And this is hard for us to understand, but this is the word of God, and it's there for a reason. There's a lesson that I want you to see. Her silence was a sin in this case also. In that when she did not cry out in the city for her, attack, for, for her attacker that was attacking her, I don't know why she didn't cry out. We're not told. Maybe it was fear. Maybe it was intimidation. Maybe it was trauma. Maybe she was so traumatized she could not believe it was happening. She wasn't guilty because she was attacked, but she was guilty because of her silence according to the Old Testament law. Thank God we're not under the Old Testament law. Something happened to this woman in the city and when she was silent. And the reason that it was considered grievous is because in the city there was help. In the city... All she had to do was cry out. And part of that culture was men would come running. In the city, I'm sure her fiancé was there. And he would never allow someone to abuse his to-be bride if she would have just raised her voice and cried out. And then it draws another picture. It talks about if a woman is in a field. She's out in the country. She has nobody surrounding her. She's working in the field all by herself. And some evil person with evil intent, a man, forces himself on her and attacks her and abuses her in the field. If she cries out, the scripture said, that she is not to be stoned. She has done nothing. The man is to be stoned. It's kind of confusing unless you understand the spiritual implication. And here it is. You're going to get it, I promise. In Matthew 13 and 38, Jesus said in one of his parables that the field is the world. And in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 22, it says, But you have come to Mount Zion. You're in the city of the living God. So the point is simply this, that once you come into the city or the kingdom of God, once you enter into Christ, we're in the city of the living God. We're not out in the field because Jesus said the field represents the world, but the city represents the city of the living God. Once you're in the church, notice that the same attack came on the woman that was in the city that came upon the same attack happened to the woman that was in the field or the world. Just because you're in church and just because you're serving God does not mean that we don't have an enemy who hates us and who attacks us and who wants to destroy us. The same attack comes on you in the church and it happens to people in the field, which really is an important lesson. 
Just because you're attacked in the city doesn't mean if you leave the church and give up on your faith that the enemy's going to let up on you and you go out into the devil's territory and into his field and you forget God and forget religion, don't think that the attacker is going to leave you alone. He's not going to leave you alone. You're going to be attacked either way. The devil is not good to his own. It's a matter of time. You may have fun in the field. You may have excitement in the field for a season, but there will come that moment when Satan will attack you in the field. And the Bible said the tragedy of the person in the field is when they are attacked and they cry out, there is no one there to hear them. But in the city, if you cry out, if you're not too embarrassed, if you're not too ashamed to say, I need help, if you're not too much of, uh, of a person who refuses to acknowledge, you just want to pretend like you're okay, but you're really hurting, you're really struggling. If you can ever get to the place that once you're in the city, once you're in the church, once you're in the kingdom, you're willing to cry out and say, help, I'm struggling. I'm losing ground. I'm, I'm falling away. Help. All you got to do is cry out and the rescuer will come running. So important to understand that. Because when you begin to understand that if you're defeated in your mind, if you are attacked mentally, physically, spiritually, nothing's going on with you that's not going on out there in the world. This is so important. What burdens me is if I'm going through it and you're going through it in the middle of this pandemic, we're all fighting battles. We can pretend and we can wear outward masks, but I'm afraid sometimes we're wearing spiritual masks all the time, playing like everything's beautiful in our life and we can be silent when we're dying. And if it's like that in the church, what is it like out there if you don't know the Lord? What is it like out there if you're dying in an addiction to alcoholism or drug addiction or some other vice that's destroying your life and you're crying out but you don't know who to cry and there's nobody to rescue you? I want to say, first of all, I'm thankful I'm in the city. I'm thankful I'm in the church. I'm thankful that I have Jesus that I can call on. You see, John 10, 10 said the thief comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. And that's not just people in the church. That's people out there. He's coming. I don't care how much fun you're having in sin. He's coming to kill, steal, and destroy. It's a matter of time. And I hope you're not so far out there that nobody can hear your cry. When you go serve the devil in his field, he doesn't give you a peace that you didn't have in church. You're not going to solve your problems by backsliding, by leaving the church. You're not going to find peace out there that you couldn't find in here. When you understand what I'm preaching today, you understand that the devil cannot give you joy. He cannot give you hope for eternity. He cannot give you purpose for living he cannot put your home back together. He cannot put your life back together. He cannot give you the dream and the purpose for which you are here. Understand that if you go serve the devil, he's not going to stop tormenting you. As a matter of fact, he will take his 
hate out on you in ways you cannot imagine. And the sad thing is you're crying, but nothing, nobody's hearing you. I want to say to some of you who are being tempted to leave the church and go to the field, you know too much. You felt too much to ever be happy out there because you know what is in here. And don't think that if you go out there that you're not going to be ambushed and you're not going to be attacked. In a moment when you feel like everything is beautiful and wonderful, I promise you I've been doing this a long time. And I've seen people who thought, I can play with it. I can live in the devil's field and do anything I want to do and get by. It's a matter of time before that sorry devil who seduced you out is going to ambush you and attack you in a way you never saw coming. Boy, people don't like this kind of preaching, but here we go. Oh, I got something for you today. The girl was attacked in the field just like the damsel was attacked in the city, but there is a huge difference. If you're in the city and you don't uplift your voice, if you don't lift your voice in the city, then death comes. There's hope for you in the city. There's help for you in the city of the living God. And we put our mask on. And we come to church spiritually, not just the physical mask that we're wearing, but the spiritual mask. I'm afraid that people come to church and they put their best foot forward. They want everybody to think that everything is beautiful and they don't want anybody to know I'm struggling, I'm being tempted, I feel like quitting, I don't know how much more of this I can take. At a time when, when you're supposed to act like everything is all right, when you feel the attack of the adversary, that is not the time to pretend like it's all okay. But when you're being attacked, and I really sense this is a word in season, because all of us are under attacks we never dreamed or saw in this year. And only those who learn how to cry out when they're under attack are going to make it. And when you feel the attack of the adversary, it's time to cry out. It's time to lift up your voice. It's time to say, God, help me. God, rescue me. There's hope in the city of God if you will cry out. Too many are backsliding silently, drifting, and their voice is never heard in prayer. Their voice is never heard in the midst of their trouble, in intercessory, in intercessory prayer, and in praise to God. If you stay silent when you're under attack, you could lose it all. But when you learn to open up your mouth, when I open up my mouth, and when I begin to proclaim, just sometimes you're so weak, all you can say is, Jesus, I don't know how to fix it, but Jesus. I don't know how to turn it around, but Jesus. I can't do this. It's a job for Jesus, but Lord, have mercy and help us. He says, I've been waiting, and I'll rescue you. I'm waiting on you to call my name. I believe today that if you would get your voice uplifted, you would be rescued. If you would get your voice uplifted, you could be healed. 
If you would get your voice uplifted, God could intervene into your circumstances because we are engaged to Jesus Christ. We are that woman in the story that is engaged in the city. And our, our fiance is bad to the bone. He can fight like you wouldn't believe. And if some old sorry man touches us, he's touching the apple of his eye. He's touching, and that, that lover gets furious. He gets angry. He's insanely jealous, and he will rip your head off. Touch not my anointed, and do my property. And I'm telling you, you're the anointed, and you are God's property, and you're engaged to Jesus Christ, and he takes it personal when someone attacks you. When the enemy, Satan, attacks you, he says, that's my fight. Call on me. I'll fight your battles. Everybody take a praise break and lift up your voice and say, Jesus, I need you. I need you. I think that when we understand that we're engaged to Jesus Christ, in the Old Testament, if a woman was engaged to a man and another man put his hands on that woman, that man had the legal right to take that guy out. I kind of like that. <laughs> Forgive me. As a daddy, I like that. Sometimes we need to say to Satan, get your hands off my family. We need to raise our voice and say, get your filthy hands off my children. Get your filthy hands off my wife or off my husband. You foul devil, get your hands off the property. This home, this family, this marriage, this, these children, they belong to his majesty, the Lord Jesus Christ, and you get your filthy hands off. I will not be silent. I will not shut up. The more you attack me, the more I'll cry out, Lord, have mercy and heal my life and heal my need. Scream it if you have to. I'll never forget, I preached many times at the Great Lakewood Church for Joel Osteen, and I love, one of my favorite things about going there is I get to get to go backstage with Dodie Osteen, his mother. And boy, she is a godly woman. She can quote half the Bible, and she's a prayer warrior. Little bitty thing, but boy, she's full of the Word of God. She told me one time, she said, Jensen, when they told me I had cancer and that I wouldn't live, she said, the Lord told me, you talk back to that disease. Don't let it trash, trash talk you. You trash talk it. And she said that John, her husband at that time, well, he was dead and gone on to be with the Lord. But she said the children, Joel and all of them, they would hear her in the back bedroom and they, they would say, let's get out of the house. Mom's going into one of her fits and she would close the door and she would take out scriptures and she would walk the floor and say, the word of God says that by his stripes I am healed. The word of God says you can't let the devil do all the talking. You have to learn how to lift your voice and cry out with the praise and cry out with the prayer. 
Instead of panic, praise. Instead of worry, worship. Because you're in the city. Tell somebody you're in the city. There's hope for you. There's help for you. You're not out in the country where nobody can hear you. You're in the city. If you're thinking crazy thoughts, you're not alone. It's not a time to be silent. If you've been saying, I'm thinking about quitting, you're not alone. But it's time to talk to that quit. Say, he who has begun a good work in me will be faithful to complete it. And I don't understand everything, but here I go. I trust the Lord. And I believe his word. We need a revival of the uplifted voice. We need the people of God to realize that the power of death and life are in their tongue. And we've got to start speaking life and talking life and speaking the power of God into our homes and into our lives. There's some moms and some dads and some grandmas and some grandpas who are listening to me at all of our campuses and all over on television. And you are feeling the attack of the enemy like you have never felt in your life. I am this year of this pandemic, I have been under more attacks in every way than I have ever been in my 58 years of living. And now I'm almost getting happy about it. I'm almost realizing that God, even our nation, come on, we've never faced times like these and it's not a time for us to be quiet in the cities. When there's rioting, when they're burning, when we're seeing division and violence and hatred, if ever there was a time for the church to lift up their voice and cry aloud and spare not, to shout unto God with the voice of triumph, the blood of Jesus, the name of Jesus and the cross, it's in this hour. I need somebody to say, I will not be silent. You're going to die if you go silent when you're under severe attack. This text teaches us to speak up. To raise your voice. If you've ever been baptized in the Holy Ghost and prayed in the Spirit, the time you use that prayer language is when the enemy is attacking you. The enemy wants you to keep your voice of praying in the Spirit, praying in other tongues as the Spirit gives you the utterance. Oh, don't do that. Don't do that. Somebody might think you look funny. Somebody might think you're a fanatic. Somebody might, 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 might think you're a nut. You're a religious nut. I don't care. When you go through everything that you go through, at some point, you form your own corporation. I don't give a rip incorporated. All I know is I need the stuff that works right now. I need the stuff that's gotten me through every valley I've been through. And sometimes I don't need a lay me down to sleep prayer. Sometimes I need a hotline to heaven. Sometimes I need to open up my mouth and when I don't know what I should pray as I ought, the Spirit himself maketh intercession with groanings which cannot be uttered. Does any Anybody know what I'm talking about in the 21st century church? We need a revival of uplifted voices praying in the spirit. 
praising God with, with almost a militant spirit on us in a good way. The violent take it by force, the Bible said. You're not in the field. You're in the church. Many times in the Bible, people did not get a miracle because they were in the presence of Jesus. Many people were in the presence of Jesus. The people who got the miracles when they were in the presence of Jesus were people who cried out. They refused to remain silent when they got in. the. Well, you're in the church this morning and you're in the presence of Jesus. I feel his presence here. I feel his help here. I feel his anointing on the stage with me. But that doesn't mean you're going to get anything. Because if you stay quiet, you're just like those people who if they stay silent, I believe Jesus would have passed them by. I doubt your desperation if you don't get your voice lifted up. I doubt if you really want it if you're too proud to cry out for help. In Luke 17, 10 lepers stood afar off. They had lost their families. They had lost their wealth. They had lost their businesses. They had lost their health. The parts of their body were literally decaying on the bone. And here comes Jesus, the miracle worker. And they could have just let him pass by, and he would have. But the Bible said in Luke 17, and they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, I'm dying. Master. Have mercy on me. They lifted up their voice. They, one, one translation, they said with a loud voice, Help, Master, Savior. And Jesus turned and he said, Go show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were healed. Because they lifted their voice, they would have died. They would have suffered the sentence of death if they had been silent, even though they were in the presence of the healer. Intimidation will kill you. If you don't get your voice uplifted, you could die. You could die spiritually. You're feeling the attack. You feel the tug of the flesh. You feel discouraged in your mind, beat up in your body. Maybe your marriage, your family, your children, all hell is breaking loose. Refuse to remain silent even in this service today. At some point, you have to say, I still believe. I still know that there is a God in heaven. I still know that he hears and answers prayer. And I still believe that if I call on him, he will answer me and show me great and mighty things I know not of. Take a praise break. I'm almost done, but take a praise break. Come on, you got a better shout in you than that. It's time to raise our voice. It's time, if you're tired of the devil attacking your family, attacking your children, attacking your finances, attacking your mind and your health, lift your voice and declare, Jesus is my rescuer. Jesus is my deliverer. Jesus is my healer. Peter, the Bible said, was sinking when he saw the boisterous winds and waves. He was afraid. I love it. And he was beginning to sink. That caught my attention. He was beginning to sink. He didn't wait until he was under bubbles. He didn't wait till he was 20 feet up under the water 
taking his last gasp. But when he was beginning to sink, somebody is listening to me and you can feel it. I'm beginning to sink. I'm beginning to go back into that alcoholism. I'm beginning to go back into that. I'm beginning. I can feel this thing. As I'm under attack, Pastor. And the Bible said, and as he was beginning to sink, don't wait too late. Do it now. He cried out saying, Lord, in this deep theological truth here, he didn't have to pray a fancy prayer. Lord, save me. I'm beginning to sink. And Jesus took his hand and reached down and picked him up. And what he couldn't do on his own when he took the hand of Jesus, they walked back to the boat together. But it happened when he cried out, when he raised his voice. One more. I wonder if there's any blind Bartimaeuses in the house today. Because the Bible tells the story of a man named Bartimaeus who was born blind from his mother's womb. And one day he heard that Jesus was passing by. And when he heard of Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the religious crowd, they're always there. Many warned him, be quiet, shut up. I think the intimidation came something like this. Um, just act like the problem's not real. Just play church this morning. Uh, we don't want anybody to know about your little problem. Shh. Don't, don't, don't get vulnerable. Be quiet. Just, just act like it's not real. That's not for you. He's not coming for you. But I love what the next part of that verse said. They warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more. The King James said, he cried out louder. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Shout more. Pray more. Cry out more. The more the devil attacks you, the more you cry out. The more he intimidates and tries to defeat you, the more you cry out. You're in the city and silence is a sin in the city. Why? Because there's a, there's a redeemer who's ready to rescue you. I got a text about seven weeks ago, something like that. It's from a pastor friend that I've known. We, we've never been, you know, super close or anything, but, but he is very cordial, one of the greatest, nicest men that I've ever met, and very gifted, very anointed. Pastor's a great church in Tennessee. And he sent me a text about six or seven weeks ago, and he said, I was watching you on television, and you'll never know the message that you preached, he said, I wept. I wept in my room and I cried as I listened to you preach. It so touched my heart because I'm hurting. And we went back and forth. And, you know, you, you, just, you just don't know who you're talking to. You don't know where they're at. And we went and exchanged some texts back and forth. And I wished him well and thanked him and prayed 
for him on a text and said, I'm praying. Didn't give it much thought, to be honest. Last week, I found out that that young preacher took his life. I couldn't help but think of this thought of he was hurting. But who really knew? He was at his wit's end, but who really knew? Because we're so good at coming to church and acting religious. When we ought to be crying out, I, I'm, I'm dying. We're, we're in trouble. I, I can't leave here. My family's jacked up. I need some help. I need God's help. I'm hurting too bad to pretend. Anybody ever get to that place that, that you can be honest with God? I'm struggling. I've got a besetting sin. Can you ever get to that place that you can say it? You can ever break the silence and say, Help! He'll come running. We used to, at the end of a, a wedding, we don't do it much anymore. They've, they've taken it out of the ceremony for some reason. I guess because families are so argumentative that they're scared somebody will take them up. But we used to say this at the very end of the ceremony, right before you would pronounce the man and woman, husband and wife. You would, there's a little statement they used to write in it. If there's anyone here who would object to this man marrying this woman, here's the big words, speak now or forever hold your peace. I believe that we're at a point in many, many, many lives that I'm reaching right now at all of our campuses and right here and those of you watching that the Lord is saying, speak now. Speak the word. Speak my name. Speak in prayer. Speak in intercession. Speak up for truth. Speak up for what's right. Speak now or forever hold your peace. Anybody ready to raise your voice? Just lift your hands toward heaven and receive all that he has for you this morning. The presence of the Lord is very real here today. If you need healing right now, I want you to focus on the stripes that Jesus took on the cross. But he was wounded for your transgressions. He was bruised for your iniquities. The chastisement of your peace was upon him. And by his stripes you are healed. Now say, Jesus, you're my healer. Here comes the one who rescues. Here comes the one who fights for you. Here comes the one who is your defense, your strength, your healer, and your life sustainer. Be healed. Be healed. You're standing in proxy for someone. You're standing here and they're in the hospital or they're in the bedroom or they're in some bad situation. 
Right now, you stand in proxy. Raise that hand high on behalf of that person that comes to your mind right now. Come on, get a burden and cry out for them. Why don't you call their name before the throne? Why don't you just speak their name and ask Jesus, your healer, to heal them? And if they're in the field, he can take care of that too. Because the reason that the people in the field can't get any help is they don't know who to call on, but you know who to call on. And you can pray for them and God will go get them out of that field of cocaine, out of that field of, of addiction, out of that field of shame and sin and guilt and pain and sorrow, depression and hopelessness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Why carry it? Why don't you take it to the Lord in prayer right now? Why don't you raise your voice? Why worry yourself sick about them? Why don't you just speak their name one more time? Just speak their name. Speak it in authority like he was singing. Speak it with the power of knowing there's force. I've heard a sermon today and my faith is stirred. I can, I can lift my voice. I'm not a victim. I can lift my voice and Jesus will deliver. name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I sense that God has given miracles right now. Miracles. 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 Everybody say miracles. Miracles. Raise your hand three times. Raise a hand and say three times. Miracles. Miracles. I'm speaking it. I'm raising my voice. I'm claiming it. Miracles in the name of Jesus. I'm not crazy. There's power in that name. There's power in that name. Raise your voice for your family member that's on drugs. Raise your voice for your family member who's, who, who, who's messed up in their mind and even even you can sense a little spirit of suicide on why don't you raise your voice our voice can make the difference i sought for a man who would stand in the gap and take up the hedge we're going to pray this prayer out loud would you just raise up your right hand toward heaven everybody at all of our rooms, if you're in overflow, wherever you are, say, Lord Jesus, I raise my voice and I repent. I turn to you with all of my heart. Have mercy on me, Master Jesus. Save me. Deliver me. Help me. I receive it. I know you know my voice. I know you hear my cry. And today, I receive your help. I receive your hope. I receive your victory. In Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Clap your hands and thank the Lord. Wow. We hope you've enjoyed this teaching by Jensen Franklin and thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Your prayers and financial support make these programs possible. For more information about this message and other ministry resources, visit us online at jensenfranklin.tv.